welcome. It's indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you, we have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than Benny Carollo. Breakdown contributor, host of Bleep Blop Ben on Twitch. Always a fascinating analysis. Top story of the day, Donald Trump is now a convicted sexual offender. That's what being held liable in civil court means. Pence trying to figure out how to defend Trump while not defending Trump. We have that and more. All right, let's put it up full mass. Former President of the United States of America, after just three hours of deliberations on Tuesday, a jury found former President Donald Trump liable, guilty for the sexual abuse and defamation of writer E. Jean Carroll, stemming from an incident in the Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. This was in the 1990s. The jury awarded her roughly 5 million. Let me tell you why that number is so high. There's a calculation of punitive and compensatory. Punitive is to punish the individual who has the adverse ruling. Trump responded within minutes in Trumpian fashion with an all caps message on Truth Social. He says, and I quote, I have absolutely no idea who this woman is. This verdict is disgrace, he wrote, a continuation of the greatest witch, witch hunt of all time. You gotta hand it to Trump, I mean, he is a showman to the end. Now, he has maintained, he doesn't know this person, never met this person. Now remember, he lashed out at the judge as well. Judge did not make a ruling here, the jury did. Individuals who are selected to be designated fact finders. They look at evidence, they provide context, and they make a decision. That's what jurors do, it's part of our country. So Donald Trump says this was a witch hunt. Now remember, Trump was allowed to defend himself, he decided not to. Trump was told come to court, he decided not to. His attorneys decided not to present witnesses whatsoever. Um, Trump was found liable also for defaming, for defaming Carol based on a truth social post in which he called Carol's case a complete con job. This was in October. Trump had previously denied Carol's claim that he sexually assaulted her in a dressing room decades ago, calling the allegations a hoax and a lie, saying she's not his type. Once again, classic Trumpian fashion. So in addition to the defamation, in addition to the defamation, the jury also found that Trump did in fact sexually abuse Carol, but that her side did not prove the rape charge. On Monday, Carol's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, pushed back against the latter claim by playing a video. This was interesting, playing a video of Trump's deposition wherein he mistakenly identified Carol as his ex-wife, Marla Maples. What did Mr. Trump do after I showed him that photograph? Kaplan said to the jury. He looked at it for a moment and then completely unprompted by me, he said, 
is Marla. She was exactly his type. So the point the attorney was making is that if the reason he did not commit this sexual assault is because the writer is not his type, well, he thought the writer was his wife, which we would assume you married someone who is your type, okay? Uh, let me do this. I want to go to the response. So Mike Pence was doing an interview that day. It happened on the day Mike Pence was doing the interview. So he had to answer the question. Here's how he fumbled through it. Does that result change your view about whether or not he is fit to serve as president? Well, I, I think that's a question for the American people. But I, I, I really can't comment on a judgment in a civil case. I have no knowledge of those matters. And um, uh, I'm sure the president uh, uh, will defend himself in that matter. And, um, but it, it strikes me that we it's, uh, it's just one more instance where um, um, at a time when American families are struggling, when our economy is hurting, when the world seems to become a more dangerous place uh, almost every day, that um, it's uh, it's just one more story uh, focusing on my former running mate that uh, that uh, I, I know is a great fascination to members of the national media, but I just I just don't think it's where the American people are focused. And of course, as you mentioned, you don't know the details of the case, but he was found liable by a jury of the people of sexual abuse. I mean, for you personally, do you feel comfortable with someone who was found liable in this case serving as president? Well, I would tell you in my four and a half years serving alongside the president, I, I never heard or witnessed behavior uh, of that nature. Whoa, former VP, you have never heard or witnessed behavior of that nature. I got something for you, sir. Here it is. Yeah, that's it, with the gold. I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the. Yeah, he told you what he does. You still voted for him. You still worked for him. You still protected him. You said everyone else was wrong and he in fact was right. Mike Pence, the man tried to have you assassinated. Now you may not have a backbone for yourself or your family. You may not have a backbone for those who you claim to represent. The reality is, sir, you have absolutely no chance of defeating Donald Trump. If you do decide to run for president, because all of you are afraid to even say you're running against Donald Trump or you disagree with Donald Trump. Trump is indicted in Manhattan, found guilty by a jury, a civil jury. He's going to be indicted in Fulton County for trying to manipulate state election rules. He's going to be indicted by a DC grand jury. He will likely be indicted by the state of New York. And you're telling me you have no words. Whatsoever, sir, how can anyone believe that you would ever stand up for them in a private meeting when you can't stand up to the man that tried to have you killed? All right, Ben, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things to go from this. But the one thing I really want to harp on is Mike Pence. Mike Pence is like sort of the implication that this wouldn't affect voters because 
I think unfortunately Mike Pence is right that a lot of voters won't change their minds because of this. And the sad reality is, is that while right wingers like to claim that they care about sexual assault happening in our society. The harsh reality is, is that they really only care about sexual assault as it comes to like using it as a political talking point. Specifically directing accusations against marginalized people because they have a very specific belief about hierarchies in society and power and things like that. And so fundamentally it all comes down to like this core white supremacist narrative that has been pervasive throughout the history of the United States, which is this idea of like specifically cis had white men as like the kings of their own castle in their suburban households treating their wives and children as property. And so to them sexual assault is more of a property crime than it is an actual crime against mm. a human being. And so like fundamentally that is why I think a lot of people People on the political right aren't going to care about this because they don't see anything wrong with what Donald Trump did. That's part of like their ideology. That is what they think that rich, white, privileged men are entitled to, right? While also at the same time trying to present themselves as these defenders, these saviors of specifically white women, right? Well, they spin these ridiculous, extremely racist narratives about marginalized people across the country in order to try and justify like funding the police state. And so fundamentally you combine all of these things. And this is something that's very in line with how right wingers think about the world. They think about it in these like weird power dynamic hierarchies through these white supremacist narratives. And so when they see Donald Trump doing something like this, they actually see this as like a power move. They think that this is a testament to like how powerful Donald Trump is as a person and thus you know, worthy of like praise and adoration, as opposed to viewing Donald Trump as a monstrous person who will literally abuse positions of power in order to victimize people. It is simply the fact that fundamentally conservatives have no respect for women across the board. They only respect women to the extent that women are willing to basically act as property for individual privileged men. You put that so well, and I would say there's a stat that backs you. 20% of conservatives who believe Trump should have been indicted by the Manhattan DA said also we're still voting for him to be president of the United States, which highlights the fact they don't care. Atlanta has to pay a bunch of money to a journalist because they decided to wrongfully arrest the journalist during a Black Lives Matter protest. Let's put up the picture for a mask. See, this is called defunding the police. The city of Atlanta will now pay more than $100,000 in a settlement to Sharif Hassan, a photojournalist arrested during the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020. I still think that number is significantly low given what happened. Let me give you background. On June 1st, a photojournalist, Sharif Hassan, was photographing the protest in downtown Atlanta over the death of George Floyd by police officers a few days before in Minneapolis. While taking photos of Atlanta police officers making an arrest, his attorney says he was forced to the ground and handcuffed due to the city's, city's 9 p.m. curfew. Despite identifying himself as a journalist to officers and other officers being allowed to work nearby, he was taken into custody and still put in jail overnight. According to his attorneys, Hassan was held in jail overnight and it took six months before prosecutors dropped the charges for evidentiary reasons, meaning no evidence to prosecute. The lawsuit 
working with the University of Georgia School of Law's First Amendment Clinic and civil rights attorneys, Gerald Weber and L. Burton Finlayson. Hassan sued the city on First Amendment grounds. Quote, our client was clearly arrested in retaliation for starting to photograph someone else's arrest, explained Claire Norris, director of the First Amendment Clinic. This week, attorneys announced, announced that the city settled with Hassan for a little more than 100,000. In a statement released to the media, Hassan said he brought the lawsuit to hold Atlanta accountable for hastily creating a police state while leaving our rights as journalists as an afterthought. Unlawful arrest while being separated and handcuffed through the night is something that should not happen to members of the press. The goal is to ensure that our rights are protected in the future, he said. Um, let me go back to the reality of how this occurred. You had police officers who were told by the chief and the mayor, uh, we have a new city curfew, curfew is 9 p.m. Then you actually had a standing order. There was an SO, a little bit different than what was proclaimed to the public. The standing order was, if a person is just out past nine and not doing anything else, don't take them to jail, don't arrest them, all right? So there was a violation of that standing order because this individual literally was doing nothing illegal or anything that could have been perceived as problematic. He was doing his job, being a journalist, all right? So this happens, prosecution takes six months to drop. And then in the midst of that is a lawsuit. Now you have a $105,000 settlement. Now, frankly, this could have been much higher, all right? This could have been much higher if the journalist wanted to push it. But sometimes you have to realize what's happening in your local democracy as well as your national. In your local democracy, I'm talking about the city of Atlanta. They tried to silence the voice of someone who could tell the story. That has to be punished with more than 100 grand. The officers who did this, well, that's a wrongful arrest. That's something that we should not let pass. And it was intentional, so there's no good faith clause. This is a violation and abuse of their own power, their authority. You see, policing has a cultural issue, even in cities like Atlanta, and until there's a real remedy for the culture, you can keep changing policy and end up with the same result. All right, Ben, thoughts on this case? Yeah, I think the frustrating thing about this case is that there's not a lot more of them, right? Mm -hmm. Because I remember covering the George Floyd protests and I remember a lot of journalists getting detained, getting tackled, getting you know arrested. And I also remember a lot of random protesters just getting arrested just for being part of a protest. And this is where I think, Honestly, the press, I think, has more responsibility right now than ever to like do a little self-reflection about how they report on these things. Because fundamentally, people should not be arrested for protesting, right? Okay. Like it is a violation of First Amendment rights to just round up protesters, right? That in and of itself is a problem. You add another layer onto it when you have somebody that's a member of the media. And so obviously you're gonna have a lot of people in the media circle the wagons around somebody else who's in the media, but Fundamentally, the United States needs a media that is more willing to question police officers, that's less willing to just take you know, their press releases as gospel, especially when it comes to the things that happen on the ground with protesters. Because I remember 
watching the footage on the ground of what was happening in Minneapolis, and then hearing what police were saying was happening on the ground in Minneapolis, and there being an extreme disconnect between those two, and a lot of press just kind of accepting the idea that protesters would get arrested. Just kind of accepting the idea that kettling is just a normal thing that police officers should do whenever somebody's protesting. Because what we have in the, the, the world today in the United States is police officers who turn protests violent, actively instigating chaos in the hopes that they get to arrest protesters. That is a very well documented pattern that we have seen from police officers. And there are very, very few outlets that are actually willing to address that reality. And so it is good that this case happened like with the settlement, it should have been a larger settlement. But there's also a lot of people in the press who should have pushed for things like this for themselves. And there's also a lot of people who are just arrested for simply being in a protest that should have settlements just like this one. That's right, and that's why I always encourage those in journalism, you have to tell the story of the disenfranchised and the oppressed. Because if you don't, and you're on the other side of that, who's gonna be there to defend you? Because I guarantee you won't be conservatives. South Carolina cops, they pull up, man in mental, a mental health crisis, they just start shooting. Here it is. They did this in front of the mother, the mother. Put up the picture full mask, this is a hell of a story. South Carolina cops immediately fired as you just saw. Trevor Mullinax, a South Carolina man who survived being shot nine times. He's not in great condition, but he survived. Was shot nine times, a sheriff's deputies alleges in a newly filed lawsuit that he was sitting in his pickup truck and talking to his mother when the officers descended, descended on them like cowboys from a John Wayne movie. Deputies were responding to a wellness check, a wellness check. This was a call requested by a friend or a family member of Trevor. Trevor and his mother said in their lawsuit that the deputies drew their weapons and defaulted to using deadly force immediately without attempting to deescalate the situation. Body cam video obtained by NBC News shows the deputies with their guns out converging on the pickup and yelling, let me see your hands before opening fire while the mother, Tammy Beeson, is still standing beside the truck 
and talking to her son through the driver's side window, which means what? She could have easily been shot herself. It's called reckless endangerment is the crime. Let's put up these hospital pictures. See, this should not have happened. The deputies fired 50 times at close range. Nearly two years after the May 7, 2021 incident, the mother and son are suing York County and the department unspecified damages. Ms. Beeson, who was not struck by gunfire luckily, says seeing her son get shot has shaken her faith in the police. Ma'am, you should have zero faith in the police, none, hold them all accountable. Dispatchers were provided the cell phone numbers of both Milanax and his mother. But instead of calling them, a team of deputies arrived on the property where the grandfather then directed them to the back where his grandson was parked and talking to his mother. Once they got there, video shows them firing immediately before ever making verbal contact. Lawyer Justin Banberg said Tuesday at a news conference, there was a round that hit him smack dab in the middle of the back of his head. He added, never seen anybody get shot in the back of the head who's a threat to law enforcement or anybody else. He also detailed how the victim was in a really dark place and having suicidal thoughts. He continued, several days before he was shot, Mullinex had issues with his girlfriend and kicked in the door of her home, he said. It led him to being charged with burglary. He didn't steal anything, Bamberg said. Then uh, when the deputies, when the deputies arrived, Mullinex had a shotgun in the truck, but at no point did he point the weapon at himself or any other person. The charges, the complaint states, were uh, lodged to provide cover for the utter excessive use of deadly force exhibited by the sheriff deputies. There is no evidence Trevor Mullinex or his mother committed a crime or attempted to hinder any officer on the scene, interfere or resist arrest, the complaint states. To the contrary, all available evidence indicate that, that the plaintiff was attempting to be compliant during the extremely short window of time immediately following the arrival of the officers. You have a personal failure, you have a cultural failure, you have a policy failure. The personal failure are the heartless individuals who wear a badge and have a gun. That's your personal failure. Those individuals are psychopaths and should not have access to that level of trust. Number two, you have a system failure basically, all right? Inside of the culture of policing. This was a wellness check. Why they doing the wellness check. Obviously, they have no idea what they're doing. They didn't even make contact via phone call as is a recommended protocol in situations like that. It is a non-emergency in the sense of a violent crime is happening. This is able to be resolved without anyone dying, without anyone dying. And how do we correct the reality of cause and effect? Because if 911, was understood in the context that it should be, which is public safety and not policing. Somebody on the other side should have access to wrap around services that don't have guns. 
911 does not mean I need a cop. It just means I have an emergency and I need my tax dollars to work for me right now. All right, Ben, this is a sad story. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, this <laughs> Like so, first and foremost, I guess I'll touch on the notion of like like police officers responding this way to, to hear that somebody's having like a mental health struggle, right? Um, unfortunately, our society, like, look, there's a lot of people in our society who view mental illness and like having like particular like flare-ups or breakdowns or whatever as uh, proving that somebody's like undeserving of being alive. Like, let's be real. This is literally like. What, not even a week after the story, somebody having a mental breakdown on a train and literally just getting like straight up killed on that train by some random like vigilante. So there's tons of people defending that guy still. And so, like, fundamentally, there's a lot of people who do think that the appropriate response to people having any type of mental illness is literally a death sentence. And that just speaks to like the like baseline cultural problem that exists within the United States and the disrespect that we have for just like people with mental illnesses and just the the fundamental level of dehumanization that happens here. The fact that the police share that mentality, it seems across the country is deeply infuriating. And then obviously you have the response from the police officers. Why'd they think this was appropriate, right? Like what is going on in their heads? Like literally, and then there's the layer of, why was it a police officer, right? Why why is it only police officers that get to respond to things like this? Why don't we have people that aren't police officers responding to things like this? Because realistically, a police officer should be the last resort, right? A man with a gun should be the absolute last resort in any situation, right? Even if you dial 911, it should be, is there an ongoing violent threatening situation happening in this moment that requires somebody with a gun, right, to create some sort of balance here so that people hopefully don't get hurt? If that is not the situation, then a police officer is not the appropriate responder. And the last thing I'll say, there were like what, two squad cars and like four cops at least or something that I saw there. Like, I don't want to hear a single person, period, stop, tell me that police officers need a higher budget. Like, I'm sorry, you don't. There's not a single police department across the entire United States of America that needs a higher budget. Because when you see police officers spending so much time, so many police officers can respond to one person, right? Like this, they must have some free time on their hands. Right, and but for factor, the only reason this man is shot, is because the police came. Only reason he's in the hospital fighting for his life is because the police came. All right, we're gonna follow the story as it develops. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Let me read some of these comments. Before I do that, please help support Sam to walk again, All right? We've been doing this. For a few weeks, we had him on the show, Sam Randolph. On April 6, 2022, he was fully exonerated and released from death row after serving 21 years for a wrongful conviction. He never committed the crime. But in the interview, when he came to the bullpen, he told us, he said, listen, correction officers took me to the yard and they beat me. And that's how I became paralyzed from the neck down. So he's paralyzed now, okay, he's bedridden, his family, Friends are asking for financial contributions of any amount. We're trying to reach a goal of $100,000 to support Sam in securing what he needs, the many services he would need after surgery, okay? He has an opportunity to walk again, we wanna help. So do the very best you can. All right, a lot of comments, we'll read as many as I can. Text Dan says, Pence thinks he still has a political career. 
laughing, my silence hurt. Yeah, he really does, all right? And think about it, this man signed up for a BS job to be the vice president of a tyrant, lied for him for four years. And at the end of that deal, he wanted to be the man, he wanted to be president of the United States. Hell, he was secretly hoping that Democrats were successful in removing Donald Trump, okay? Secretly. All right, V says, yes, yes, Ben is on point, 100. Regarding the protest, press and police, that's correct. I concur completely. Jenny B, why shooting always first option for cops these days? Whatever happened to talking with people, investigating situations? Yeah, because they can get away with it. It attracts a particular, let's say, psychology to the industry. Tyler Hackner, uh, gifted one indisputable membership. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, Humanoid Dragon, member for four months. Thank you so much. Having lost my brother violently, my heart goes out to that mom. Can't imagine, sorry that happened to you, sorry that it happened that way. This mother, I can't imagine what was going through her mind when these gunshots, 50 gunshots were going through the truck and the body of her son and all she wanted was to make sure he was okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're I feel great, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Can you leave? No, can you please leave? Can you please leave? I follow the Ten Commandments. Can you leave, please? Can you leave, please, girls? I will be calling the police on you, ma'am. Good. I will call them. Okay. Call them right now. Call them right now. Call them right now. I want to talk to them. I want to tell them that you keep discriminating against a very innocent woman. I'm asking you to leave because you're being rude right now. You're being rude right now. You know Joe Freeman's a serial killer. You're being rude right now. And by the way, you know they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. Get out of here. Get out. Get out. Actually, more. I just want to remind you. She says she follows the Ten Commandments. There's actually um, an interpretation of those Ten Commandments. It's basically saying, "Don't be a Karen." All right, here's the rest. Tell me why. I'm asking you to get out, please. No, tell me why. Get out. Give me one reason. Because you're rude. Get I'm out. Rude. I asked you, what do you I'm need? Get you're out. Rude. Get I'm out. Get out, lady. Get out, please. 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 We do not, we do not need your business, please. You know what? Get out. Get out, please. Get out, please. And I have Get out, please. 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 Get
We have a lot of new age Karens. Uh, this one is old school. Let's put up the picture full mass here, okay? Anyone who wears that combination along with that hairstyle is likely a Karen. Uh, she also not only deflected responsibility, she literally said, I am the victim here. Ma'am, you just said somebody was going to kill the UPS manager after stating you followed the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't understand this level of carenicity. All right, Benny, this is really interesting because naturally, the reason why the person started recording is due to the fact the customer was getting out of line. That's why the recording started. Uh, but once you know the manager says, "Hey, you're being irate. I'm going to ask you to leave." Uh, these tactics by Karens never seem to work. Thoughts? Yeah, no, it's just silly. It's another like perfect example of like these people think they're the only person in real life, right? They're like, I'm a good Christian, and no matter what I do, I'm gonna be a good Christian no matter what. But of course, I'm gonna be terrible to all of these other people because you know when Jesus is like, oh, love thy neighbor, right? Well. Apparently they think they live in a simulation and they have no neighbors and it's just them. They're the only one that exists in the world and everybody has to be catering to them. It's just like silly, like on its face. But it also speaks to this like deep like selfishness that unfortunately people are very much encouraged to have, right? In the United States, there's this culture that really centers like hyper individualism, tells you that, oh, every success you have is completely your own, but also you should never have to be dependent on other people. When instead we live in a society, we do depend on each other, right? Like, and I think the mail is a testament to that, that. You know, if you want something mailed, you gotta depend on other people, which means you gotta be polite. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Golden rule kind of stuff. Florida rejects more books for students. Now they don't want students to learn about what happened to George Floyd, which, by the way, is a murder that has significant racial context required to tell the narrative accurately. They don't want you to know about movements like Black Lives Matter, even though it is a political and social movement in order to affect change, policy change in local communities. So let's do this. Put them up. Governor Ron DeSatan, the man who is afraid of you thinking critically about anything. He wants to take books, he wants to take your right to vote, and he wants to be president. Governor Ron DeSantis has campaigned against what he has described as woke indoctrination. I want you to think about that. He literally campaigns against woke indoctrination and a leftist agenda in the classroom. I want you to keep this in mind. Okay, the only person who will criticize you for being woke is a person who wants you to remain asleep. That's it. That's where the criticism comes from. Florida has now rejected, rejected dozens of social studies textbooks and worked with publishers to edit dozens more. This was his plan, day one. The state's education department announced on Tuesday in the latest effort under Governor Ron DeSantis to scrub textbooks of contested topics, especially surrounding contemporary issues of race 
and social justice. Now, I want to remind everyone, this is not a democratic process. This is not a majority rule process. And this is not about parental rights, okay? Let me explain. They will contextualize this as, well, the parents are complaining about these books, so we have to get rid of the books. What happens when only one parent complains? But 99.9% of the other parents do not. Well, guess what? It still goes on the list to be reviewed, to be banned. Who makes the ultimate decision to ban the books? Well, a bureaucracy does, a politically appointed bureaucracy. Now, what do we have in operation? You have an anti-democratic process in order to eliminate books that actually tell the truth because one person can file a complaint. Does that sound like parental choice? Governor, let's do this. Since you are so concerned about parents having choice, can parents tell their students or tell their children to wear whatever they want to wear in school? Can they violate the school dress code? Is that not a parental right if they want their child to wear something that may be in technical violation of that school? Should that not be the parents obligation, parents responsibility, the parents right? What about this, Governor DeSantis? Because since you do not like mandated vaccines, why is it that all Florida public schools require them? You have not overturned that law. You have not sought court uh, ruling as to the constitutionality of that law. Why is it that your public schools require it if you're against it? And let me also say this, sir, if this is all about parental rights, what about the parents who say that book should never be discarded? That book should be taught to our students. What if the majority of parents say it? It doesn't matter. See, the majority of parents, they do not get an opportunity to appeal and overrule their decision. All right, Florida has rejected dozens of textbooks. Uh, work with the publisher, they edited many of them. So the revisions included a textbook, no longer includes advice that parents could use the national anthem as an opportunity to talk about why some citizens are choosing to take a knee. How insane is that? That's modern context. That's a big reason we do academic work in the first place to connect the lesson to the real life opportunity to apply it, all right? So uh, parents could use the national anthem as an opportunity to talk about why some citizens are choosing to take a knee to protest police, police brutality and racism. Mention of the term socialism, has now been removed entirely. And a middle school textbook no longer includes a passage about the Black Lives Matter movement, the movement, the murder of George Floyd and his impact on society. The removed passage described protest, noting that many African Americans sympathize with the Black Lives Matter movement, factual statement, it is true. Uh, here is the notable erasure of George Floyd, all right? Here it is, before, here's how it read. Okay, uh, new calls for social justice during the 2000s. Uh, one effect of an increase in the use of mobile devices and social media was the spread of images of police violence, sometimes deadly against black Americans. The deaths of black Americans outraged many Americans and led to a growing awareness of systemic racism that permeated the broader society, all facts. In 2013, a new social and political movement called Black Lives Matter formed a protest to protest violence against black Americans. The movement called for an end to systemic racism and white supremacy. In 2020, 
bystanders captured video, video footage of a white Minneapolis police officer killing George Floyd. An unarmed black American accused of using a counterfeit $20 bill. Floyd's brutal killing horrified many Americans and protests broke out in cities across the country. That is what it actually read in the book. Once the government talked to the editors, here's how the passage reads now. Okay, section removed. The bands were cemented by Manny Diaz Jr. Let's put him up. Who was a Republican senator for four years until taking office as the Commissioner of Educator, Commission of Education last year? He is a big nothing burger as it relates to actual education advocacy. In a statement Tuesday, Florida Commissioner of Education, Manny Diaz Jr., said that to uphold our exceptional standards, we must ensure our students and teachers have the highest quality materials available. Materials that focus on historical facts and are free from inaccuracies or ideological rhetoric. Wow, let's put up the pictures. The bands have been protested by local Florida branch NAACP president, as well as Florida Educational School board member, both pictured here. Yvette Lewis, president of the Hillsborough branch of the NAACP said it whitewashes our history. It doesn't allow the children an opportunity to actually learn the truth about African American history. There are some teachers now that are afraid of certain words, like the word diversity. They're making it seem like African American history is a bad thing to learn and understand. Vaughn, the Hillsborough School Board member, said the information that was excised is important history. Uh, those women are right, it is important history. And I want to say this uh, to the uh, commentary of the NAACP president, you are absolutely right. You are correct, madam. This does create an issue with true ed- education. But it's not black people they are afraid of students learning about, it's white people. They don't want students to learn the truth about white ancestors of Ron DeSatan. They don't want to understand or students to understand the genesis of the problem. Because they know what students really are. You know what students are? I know what students are, so I'm a professor. They're the future problem solvers of our nation. That's who they are. They are the future problem solvers of our nation. And if you can socially engineer classrooms to never present the problem, the problem never gets solved. Benny thoughts? Yeah, unfortunately, this is really just an escalation of something that has existed for a very long time in the United States, actually, because Basically, they know that if you're a big book publisher, you're not gonna wanna run a bunch of different copies of the same book. And so, for example, 
if you're the Texas system of education and you don't want people learning about white supremacy in the United States, well, then you tell the book publishers that you won't publish, you won't like bring things into schools if they don't include certain things. And then all of a sudden, we got the entire state of Texas pushing reactionary nonsense. And then the book publishers are like, well, we're not gonna run multiple copies of this. So this is the textbook that students all across the country will get. And so you get a few reactionary states that push like this ridiculous nonsense. And that's how you wind up with textbooks across the entire country that do things like, for example, talk about manifest destiny in a neutral tone. Quite literally, talking about yep. manifest destiny in a neutral tone is like talking about Mein Kampf in a neutral tone. It was quite literally a propaganda campaign to justify a literal genocide across the entire like Americas, right? That is what is it is at its fundamental core. And we still have students to this day taught about it in neutral tone. And so yeah. this, I think we need to challenge the cowardice of Democrats in democratic states to not mandate specific, uh, specific language within textbooks that actually require publishers to include like very important, difficult facts, but very important facts. And what you said about ancestors is definitely important. Uh, but I think it goes even further than ancestors because like, Oftentimes it's literally just parents, right? It's literally just the parents themselves. I mean, if you are old enough to have seen Star Wars in the movie theaters, then you quite literally were alive during the time in which sundown towns were at their peak in the right. United States of America. So it's quite literally, honestly, a lot of white parents who are outraged at the idea that their children would fully understand their behavior when they were younger. And to be honest, their behavior even to this very day. Because right. let's not pretend that violent racism isn't a major component of American culture to this very day. Well said, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Heartless cops arrest a deaf and blind individual, had no heart, when people try to explain. Here's first video. You got any drugs? Yes, we can't. I'm a bad. I'm a bad. I'm a bad. This woman is deaf, and the arresting officer knew it before he arrived on scene. Look, I'm worried that she's deaf and hard of hearing. I let everyone know before we got No, she's not hard of hearing, she's deaf. She's also legally blind and couldn't find her glasses. The arresting officer knew that too. Hey, she got glasses in there? Glasses, contacts? Can y'all check around the top real quick? He said he arrested her because it was a dangerous situation. I make an arrest in order to okay. stop a potentially dangerous situation. It's amazing how easily you can use the police against someone. When you're done using your girlfriend, 
break up with her, and then call the police to have her trespassed and arrested. Nevertheless, Christy leaves the house with the officer and appears compliant. She walks to the neighboring yard but is brought back to the driveway by the officer physically controlling her. She is in the driveway location only because the police officer put her there instead of allowing her to leave. Let's put up the picture, one of the screenshots from this extremely inappropriate and unprofessional situation by the officer. Great reporting by Justin Pulliam. Journalist Justin Pulliam reviewed the full video and said that despite it appearing to be a domestic dispute, the officer never tried to hear her side of the story, nor officer, nor offer, excuse me, her a simple sheet of paper and a pen so that she could communicate in a way that he could understand. William called up the Freeport police and spoke to Sergeant Rodriguez, an officer on the scene, who claimed that she communicated through writing despite it not appearing in the body cam video. The sergeant also claimed that she said, yes, I understand, when being told that she was being trespassed, criminally trespassed. According to Pulliam, the family only found out about the incident from a video of the arrest and had not received any communication from the police department. By that point, the woman had already spent two days in jail. Two days in jail because the officer said he was trying to stop a potentially dangerous situation. That's not what cops are supposed to do. You cannot preemptively arrest people. Pulliam confirmed from the sergeant, the department had no technical means for her to communicate to any emergency contact while in custody. Isn't that sad? Chief Jennifer Erlenson Howell of the Freeport Police Department, buck stops with her. So madam, what are you going to do here? Obviously, uh, your officer decided to handle an individual in a way that really should be unbecoming of any officer. To view Jester Pulliam's full coverage of the story, you can visit his YouTube channel, Corruption Report. There you'll see him grill a Freeport officer about the entire incident, as well as a video of the woman's family confronting the police at the station. Special thanks to him for allowing me and Indisputable to share a portion of his video. He's doing good work over there, all right? Um, when I saw this video, and I remember talking to my producer, Jordan, I said, I gotta do this story. So one, statutorily, maybe the officer did not technically commit a crime. Possibly, creative DA can probably make a case. But let's take it above the context of law and policy and talk about the humanity required to simply be in a professional position like that. And a position where you can literally kill somebody and get away with it. We're recruiting the wrong type of personality to these particular jobs. The way he handled that whole situation, even when people tried to reason with him, talk to him. Why would you want to arrest somebody in that situation? 
What is it inside of you that made you feel good about that judgment call? How do you sleep at night? All right, Benny thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm gonna be real. Look, this is why I hate cops and people with cop mentality. Because fundamentally, at their core, there's this idea in the United States that like was born out of this like ridiculous white suburbia sort of culture that anything that is even slightly uncomfortable must be equated to mm. being dangerous. Cuz like mm-hmm. I get it. You're trying to communicate with somebody that like has limitations. You know who's more uncomfortable though in that situation? Not you. It's the person who's literally deaf and blind and has like literally armed men all around her trying to control her circumstances, right? And so, but no, of course, the people with more power and privilege in the situation, if they're made even slightly uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form, if any mental effort is demanded from them under any circumstances to have any degree of empathy for another human being, that apparently has to be equated with danger. And of course, I'm gonna connect this to what happened in Jordan Neely, where it's at same mentality. Oh, if something is slightly uncomfortable for me, that must by definition mean that it's dangerous and I get to respond as though this is like the end of the world right here. And it is this cop mentality that is embedded into the brains of so many Americans that it's just so like it is just so self-centered and it's deeply deeply pathetic and it's fundamentally dangerous when this many people in society are unwilling to think that other people might be having a difficult time and that might be what's creating the uncomfortable situation. There you go. All right, we have an update to a story we brought you a few days ago. Black male being beaten by a cop caught on camera by bystander. We have updates, wanna remind you of the video, here it is. Damn shame. Put up the picture. 43-year-old Gary Christian. It's the man in the video. Christian, according to the police, I'm gonna read their statement. Christian refused to comply with an officer's orders and physically assaulted the officer. The officer immediately deployed his taser, which was ineffective. Christian then physically assaulted the officer or a second time causing the officer to deploy his baton. The officer struck Christian with his baton while attempting to arrest him. So that was told to Fox 11. Uh, and one of the witnesses and a friend, uh, her name is Navarrete, says there was no taser. That, that's a complete fabrication. Police said that Christian was wanted for an outstanding felony and a Nobel probation violation warrant. Christian was reportedly taken to a hospital where he was treated for minor contusions and abrasions to his right leg. That's according to, once again, the police, Barstow police. He was booked at a detention center in Adelanto, 
for resisting arrest and an outstanding felony warrant for violating probation. Okay, violating probation is a technical violation. Police Chief Andrew Espinazo Jr. stated in a letter that after reviewing the video and the initial facts of the incident, he placed the unnamed officer on administrative leave and has now started an internal investigation. But I want to remind you, initially, they had the cops back completely, completely until the reporting went viral. In a statement he wrote, I want to assure the community that we take all concerns regarding the conduct of our officers seriously and that we will conduct a thorough investigation of the entire incident. If at the conclusion of the investigation, it is determined that this officer or any of our officers were involved in misconduct of their duties, it is my commitment to the residents of Barstow that those involved will be held accountable. Should have been the tone on day one. After the investigation, the final report will be forwarded to the State of California Commission on Peace Officers Standards and Training Accountability, which reviews allegations of misconduct. Uh, number one, Chief, uh, the fix is already in, isn't it, sir? Because you have told us where you're sending your conclusion. You're sending your conclusion, according to you, the conclusion of the investigation to the certification department of your industry. Which means, based on your own words, you're not sending it to a prosecutorial agency. Kind of gave yourself away there, Chief. You're a police officer. You investigate, you find crimes, you submit it to the DA for prosecution, not to the certification department. Benny, thoughts? Yeah, it's not surprising police officer lying about using a taser because look, police officers not only lie with great regularity, but honestly are encouraged to lie. Like fundamentally for every instance that we see with video, there are probably at least a dozen others that don't have video. And I could pretty much guarantee you that there's somebody out there that is in jail for assaulting a, pre, a police officer where the assault that took place was the police officer was hitting them so hard they hurt their hand or something That's like that. That's right. Because we've seen this, like we've seen this before countless times. And so fundamentally, we need to stop collectively believing anything that police officers say and really demanding video in every instances and demanding criminal charges for police officers that go this far. That's right. A child was shot, killed by the police, put up the cops. He covered these cowards from day one. You're looking at Brian Devonay, Sean Dolan, and Devin Smith. The three former members of the Sharon Hill Police Department received five years probation for their role in shooting near a high school football stadium in suburban Philadelphia. This was August 2021. The deputy DA said the cops displayed a horrible amount of recklessness by shooting 25 times at a car they wrongly suspected was connected with gunfire the officers heard nearby. So in their recklessness, what did they do? They killed this child, okay? Fanta Billy is her name, she was eight years of age. She had come to the Academy Park High School for a school football team. Was hit in the back by an officer's bullet 
that strayed into the crowd of people leaving the game. She died in her mother's arms. Put up the killers again. I want to remind you to have this level of negligence for people is criminal. That's why they were charged criminally. But then they were able to strike a plea deal that nobody else in America would have received for killing an eight year old child. You see, these killers had the manslaughter charges dropped. Another Billy sister was also grazed by a bullet from one of these cops during the barrage of bullets. However, the then 12 year old was not seriously injured. The occupants of the car who all somehow avoided being hit by the officers fired directed at them had nothing to do with the shooting the officers were reacting to. Which was an exchange of gunshots between two teenagers just outside of the stadium exit. So they just shooting at people, they just shooting. No respect for life, they're just shooting and they kill an eight year old girl. And they should be held to a higher standard of accountability, not lower. The cops with training. After pleading guilty to 10 counts, 10 damn counts of reckless endangerment, Brian Devonay, Devin Smith, Sean Andolan, they will serve 49 months on probation. Sentencing accounts for the 11 months they have already served on house arrest, according to NBC News. Each defendant was allowed to take a plea deal in November 2022, which dismissed the manslaughter charges. Let me say this to DAs around this country. We really don't need new laws. We need to have DAs enforce equally the current ones we got. To the DA who allowed this agreement, you're part of the problem. I know you think you're not, I know that. I heard what you've said on record about the actions of these officers. But when you allow officers to continue getting deals for committing crimes against children or committing crimes that are among the worst crimes in this country. I want you to be reminded that when cops commit crime, it's crime, it's just crime. And they should be held to a higher standard of accountability, kind of like lawyers are. Because you have special training, you have a regulated industry, and you have people that depend and trust you. All right, Benny thoughts. Yeah, I mean, everything about the story is just deeply shameful and speaks to like, honestly, the disrespect for human life that exists in the United States. Like fundamentally, the United States has no respect for human life, period, stop. There's respect for people in positions of power, specific individuals. If you're a police officer, then you're respected as a police officer, right? If you're a millionaire, you're respected as a millionaire, but you're not respected as a human being. Nobody is, because fundamentally, if we cannot right prosecute police officers, who killed a child? Right. <laughs> like, where are we as a civilization? Like, where are we as a society fundamentally? And there are people that will like literally run around like defending the behavior of the police officers in this instance. And it's just, it is deeply shameful that we aren't are not holding police officers to a much much higher standard, but instead are doing quite the opposite. There you go, Benny. Always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you. Check out your great work. Yeah, you can always follow me on Twitter at Benjamin Carollo or on Blue Sky at Benny. And then you can also catch out all of my awesome content on The Breakdown, that's at TYT Breakdown on YouTube. Always a pleasure, my friend. Okay, we got more. Bullpen is next. Stick and stay.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have none other than Dr. Tiffany Lloyd, host of Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. I've checked it out, great, great, great program. Professor and author, topic, we're gonna chop it up about Donald Trump. Some issues relating to his previous conviction and also the presidency of the United States. Uh, Dr. Tiff, good day, welcome. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure having you on the program. Glad that we can make this work. We've tried to make this work a couple of times. <laughs> and, and every time it's like, okay, I'm not booked that day, but I wanna make sure I'm here with the doc. And so we got it today, we synchronized today. Trump, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're honored to have you. Trump has uh, been convicted of sexual assault. Uh, civil court convicted him, it's called liable. And he has been convicted of a defamation. And so you have this $5 million settlement, I mean $5 million verdict, which likely you know, the author, she may not see a penny of it. He's indicted by Manhattan, he's going to be indicted by Fulton County, will be indicted by DC federal grand jury and likely to be indicted by New York. He has significant business entanglements. Those business dynamics are also in front of courts around the country. He will be a defendant until the day he dies. So. He's still leading in the polls by 7%. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. All right. So, Doc, talk about Trump's ability to fail to the top. What say mm-hmm. you? Well, first of all, there is, unfortunately, there's nothing in the Constitution that can prevent President Trump from being the president. Even with him being convicted, there's nothing. The only thing that the Constitution says is that you have to be 35 years old and a resident of the United States of America for 14 years. So that protects him. But isn't it amazing that there is nothing that stops a man from being indicted or (laughs) convicted, but we have states that have that have that that block convicted felons from voting and i want people to understand that i'm going to say it again there's nothing that stops a man from running for president of the united states that is a convicted felon convicted charged with a crime but we have states that block convicted felons from voting that's a problem right there what it shows with america with donald trump deleting the polls over joe biden that has been accused of so many things and even has a pending case, it truly shows that America still has not repented for the sin of what America was founded on and that is racism. President Trump, his base hates people of color. And when people say President Trump made people feel, uh, made people come out of, uh, made people racist, that's not true. He only made people feel comfortable in their racism. So what you are seeing now is America still has not repented and has not rectified racism here in America. You make a very compelling point and I'm going to take us back to the 60s now because Dr. Mm -hmm. King made a similar point in two different interviews. He was interviewed around 1961 and you can hear the hope in his voice when he talks about the coalition and he talks about the movement and he's talking about making progress and what needs to happen. And then he's interviewed again, okay? And he says something that rarely gets mentioned. People really don't like to talk about it. He said, this country is actually more racist than I ever believed. 
That's what he said. He said, this country is more racist than I ever believed. And then he went down this explanation route of talking about how white allies were down with the cause when there was a Bull Connor on TV being racist mm-hmm. and saying the N word and being the chief law enforcement person. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we got rid of that character, as soon as we overcome that character, now they're not anywhere to be found, right? The allies who were supporting us during that time. Uh, you you get this sense in King that he actually touched on what we're experiencing now. The reality of racist psychology in America. How mm-hmm. we believed that somehow we were in at least the beginning of a post-racial society. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems as if we have not even made it close to that reality. Because Trump, once again, being as adverse as he can be, meeting with white supremacists to get their blessings to run for president, he still polls higher than Biden today. And uh, good luck on defeating the guy inside of the Republican primary. But I do believe Republicans have an issue to deal with themselves that they will not. The fact that they have openly racist people in their party, they mm-hmm. would not deal with it because they always knew these people existed. What say you to that? Well, first of all, this country was built on racism. Mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson was very clear, even though one of his concubines was black, but that's another conversation for another right. day. That when we hold these, when the Constitution said we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, they were talking about white men only. We're talking about a country that brought human beings here and made them slaves, made them property. Think about Dred Scott versus Stanford. When Dred Scott tried to sue for his freedom because he Mm -hmm. was in a non-slave territory state and still his slave owner was still making him a slave, although he was the only person. And a racist US Supreme Court justice by the name of Roger Taney said that black people were inferior beings, once a slave, always a slave, and black people are not looked at as human beings, we're looked at as property. When President Trump ran this campaign on make America great again, the question that I've always asked was when was America ever great? So when you make a statement, make America great again, I can only think about, are you trying to say that black people need to go back as being slaves and we need to be lesser than? This is a man who has never once apologized to the Central Park Five in 2019. When he called for the death penalty of five innocent African-American and Latino men. This is a man who has said, I like the blacks. This is a man who has indicated and said that I am the least racist person and I have a lot of black friends. To any person out there, the most racist statement that you can make is I have a lot of black friends. Because when you say you got a lot of black friends, you're basically showing that you are racist. Why can't I just be a friend? Why do I have to be the black friend? So this right here just shows that America was founded on pure racism. And the fact that this man is leading the polls, they don't care about this man moral judgment. They care about a man being in office that sticks to what they believe in racism. A man that refused to denounce David Duke, the grand wizard of the KKK. So that is enough within itself. Right, right, well said. The reality is the DNA of this nation is founded upon the principles of racism, bigotry. Uh, the idea that you can own another human being and do what you choose to do with them. 
that DNA is being fought against by people like yourself, me and others. But remember, we're fighting against the DNA of America. Can we overcome that DNA? Yes, you can nurture beyond the nature, you can. But it takes fight, it takes coalition, it takes movement, and it takes moments like this where you have a guy who's polarized, but still moving. You gotta fight that, you gotta continue to stay on the battlefield and fight it. Um, I wanna talk about the reality of policing in America before you go, all right? Mm People like Trump, even McConnell, who would consider himself to be a mainstream Republican. They're not talking about things that adversely impact black folk. There was a time in politics, I still remember. There was a time in politics, both sides actually talked about the same problems. Mm -hmm. I've been there, all right? They Mm -hmm. talked about the same problems, radically different methodologies on how to solve them. But they were talking about the same issues, right? They're not Mm -hmm. talking about the same problems anymore. And that's why I find it really hard to understand how someone, especially a person of color can be a Republican today. And I interviewed an individual, a councilman, current councilman, used to be a Republican. And he told the truth, that brother came on the show and said, listen, the reason why I had to get out of the Republican party is because I was told clearly, I cannot support a black agenda anymore. (laughs) That part, that part, right? So he got out of there because he was one of the black Republicans who was pushing a Black agenda to progress, mm-hmm. black economy, black education, etc. He was mm-hmm. told by the powers that be, you can't do that anymore. Why do you think that's the narrative today? When 20 years ago, that would have never been a conversation that a Republican would have had with, let's say, a Colin Powell, right? Mm-hmm. But today, that's what Republicans are telling their black leaders inside of the conservative movement. Why do you think that's happening today? But can I be honest? And this is going to be be a very unpopular answer. We have a lot of black people that have sold their soul for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of black people that would be like a Sambo in Uncle Tom's cabin, if you will, that will sell out their own black people and go against the black agenda. Because see, all they need is a black faith. And see, if we can use the black face to say the racist things that they can't particularly say because they know if they openly say it, then they will get canceled. So the problem is is that we have a lot of black faces that's not pushing a black agenda. We just want to use it as a way of lambasting or bringing down black people. And we're saying what racist people want to say and what they want to hear. That's Mm -hmm. the real problem. Mm -hmm. It becomes this uh, bias echo chamber where they just say the same lie over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah, they have no challenge. They are indoctrinated to believe what they believe. Um, Always, always a pleasure hearing you. I appreciate your passion, your continued advocacy. We're definitely gonna have you back on the program. I tell people how they can follow you, check out your work. Thank you. You can follow me on Instagram at tiffany.m.lloyd. You can follow me on Facebook at Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Tiff. Always a pleasure. We'll have you back soon. Thank you. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.